Coming up, we've got an action-packed episode with the Director of User Acquisition at Calm, Matt Hirochi. You're going to discover ad strategies that actually retain users, why high production value is not that important in video ads, and how to make sure you have the right attribution in place when running influencer marketing campaigns. All that and so much more. The most action-packed content from the top mobile experts. This is the App Masters Podcast with Steve P. Young. B7Dev.com is the app development firm dedicated to helping entrepreneurs go from app idea to success because they understand startups and don't charge you huge fees just to get your app off the ground. Learn more at B7Dev.com. Com. If you want to target the youngsters, then you have to be on Snapchat. And if you want to use Snapchat influencers to drive massive downloads for your app, then you have to check out fanbytes.com. What is up, App Nation? It is Steve P. Young, founder of AppMasters.com. You know, the podcast you listen to consistently, hopefully to get action-packed content from some of the best guests, from some of the best app minds in the entire world. And today, I got to meet him in person, and I begged him. I bought him a bunch of drinks just so he could say yes. His name, because I'm a big fan of their app, but his name is Matt Horyuchi. He is the Director of User Acquisition at Calm. If you guys haven't heard of Calm, where have you been? This was the app that finally got me to start meditating. Matt, welcome to the show. Hey, Steve. Glad to be here. So, Matt, are you you want to describe Calm a little bit more to the listeners? Yeah. Um, so, Calm is a meditation app first and foremost, um, but it's also branched into the whole world of relaxation and recently into sleep. Um, so, if you have any trouble sleeping, and if you have a relationship with your phone where maybe uh, it keeps you up and keeps you distracted, you should try out Calm. Yeah, like I said, I, I love the app, and my wife is a like a daily user of the app with master classes, which is a great thing that you guys have just recently added. Matt, what do you think? What do you handle when you, when you say user acquisition? What do you what do you handle? Uh, that's changed over time. So when I joined the company a little over a year ago, it was everything that involved spending money to get traffic. Um, so it was taking over the social channels. Apple search, all of the all the other media spend that was happening, as well as some kind of you know um, more brand plays around influencers, um, and more recently we've we've started doing TV and really expanded into basically every type of platform you can you can spend on. Now we're gonna get into some of this stuff with influencer marketing, running TV, and how do you attribute that. And then some of the campaigns that did not work. But let's start with this, Matt. Like, talk to me about some of the ad strategies that you try to work on that actually help with retention? Because I know retention is a big thing, especially for subscription-based apps like yours. Yeah, so I was actually really lucky because I came into the company when they already had a very effective ad running. I'm sure a lot of people have seen it. It's just a, a simple timer ad on a nature scene that says do nothing for 15 seconds or 30 seconds, uh, depending where you catch it. Um, and that ad performed really, really well. The retention on it was strong, um, but what it wasn't was very authentic to the app experience. And so where we get better retention is with ads that 
you know, pull the content directly from the app. So actually giving people a bite of a meditation and having them sit down and meditate for a bit or giving them some kind of mindfulness or, um, you know, getting ready to go to sleep exercise. Uh, those work much better for retention. Yeah, I've seen some of those ads and it was the nature. And so you're saying, hey, let's not use that nature background. Let's just give them a little taste of the app. Yeah, I mean, both strategies are still running, um, but we've we've leaned much more away from the, the nature timer um, and much more toward, you know, honestly, the things that are, are behind the paywall on the app. So, you know, you get the nature scenes for free, but if you want all the meditations, you need to be a subscriber. And from what I'm seeing too, and this is an upcoming piece of content that I'm going to be putting together for YouTube, but that it doesn't need to be highly produced type of ads too. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Um, I have actually found that at several companies where, you know, production on social channels doesn't necessarily make for better ads. Um, I think that's more expected on TV. Um, and to be honest, our TV spot isn't that highly produced either. We really, um, there's something very warm and approachable about that native feeling, just sort of, you know, I found a video on the internet and I posted it sort of feel. Now, on that TV note, are you guys, did you guys plan it that way or did you run different tests to kind of be like, you know what, the little scrappy version of this TV ad performed a lot better than this Hollywood version of it? Um, so I'll give you, I can give you an update on that in the future because we haven't run a highly produced ad yet. Um, okay. That, it's happening in the next couple of weeks, actually. Um, we have a few variants that are being produced. So I'm actually very interested to learn myself. Um, we did the scrappy version because we knew we wanted to try TV. And so we had the assets. We had a designer that just whipped it up in a couple hours. Mm -hmm. um, we set it live and um, the return was good enough that it's still running. Now, I want to get back to TV a little bit. But first, when we're on this creative ad and you're running social ads, what are you doing to attribute the retention aspect of it? Because a lot of it's easy to get the CPIs and all that stuff. But how do you go all the way down to like, okay, did this person become a subscriber? What are you using? Because this is like beyond me, man. I do a lot of more like organic growth and growth hacking and nothing from just a paid side of things. Oh, okay. So yeah, we were integrated with AppsFlyer. Um, I've also used it just in the past. I like both. Um, they're both excellent platforms. Um, if you develop, if you integrate the SDK well and you track your events well, you can track, you know, basically any amount, any retention back to uh, the ad that drove it. Uh, for us, we're most interested in the purchase event, uh, which we, which tends to trigger back, you know, within a few days of the original install. Uh, so we really lean on AppsFlyer and Attribution for that. Um, and then we also pull that data into our own data warehouse so that we can look at usage over time and where people came from. I see. And what I noticed, this is a friend of mine told me <clears throat> that, especially on Facebook, like you should try to base your, I think it was cost per action. So like, hey, I want a paid subscriber. So once there's a, a little bit of a data, now Facebook is starting to target ads based off people that are most likely to take an action, which is most likely for most people is, you know, to subscribe or pay and buy and stuff. Yeah. I mean, that's industry standard now. If, uh, if you talk to an app marketer, that's not looking at post install events, uh, they're probably not very sophisticated. <laughs> it's a noob. All right. What other targeting and audience targeting are you guys doing on your end? Yeah, it's actually interesting. There, there's a lot that's available to Calm because I think our audience is, is much bigger and broader than most. Um, so I actually do some targeting that is just regional. I say, uh, hey, Facebook, go find the users in the United States and make sure that they come in at a reasonable cost per purchase event. 
Um, and that's enough to do a pretty good job with, with um, a certain scale. Um, where we get the really good quality users is when we upload lookalike lists. So we upload very high value lists and use them to, to build lookalikes in particular regions. Um, those also, you know, they respond better to certain ad strategies that are targeted to, you know, the way they use the app. All right. Is, and I, I kind of did a little bit more research on Calm as well, but I see the bulk of the users or paying users are coming from more English speaking countries. Is that the case? Yep. Um, that's mostly a product of us having an English app only. Um, so, you know, we, we actually do have subscribers in Japan, Korea, other places in the world, um, but not many because, you know, there's no Japanese in the app. And when you say, hey, you know, I want guys and maybe like the UK or Australia and here's what I do. Do you go regionally or is it just like, hey, here's this country, like go ahead, target because it's huge. Um, I do both. So every country that I'm targeting has a broad targeting group in it. Um, and then they also have lookalikes built off of the audience in those countries. Um, I'm experimenting with different targeting strategies, you know, every week. So uh, there's, there's a few exceptions in some unique places around the world and some strategies that call for slightly different targeting. But for the most part, you know, broad and then lookalikes off of premium users. Yeah. And it seems like, you know, I always said, I always joked to somebody, I was joking with them. And I was like, you know what? It's nice to be in more like the paid side, paid acquisition side of things. Cause everything starts with the test, right? Like I'm more like sometimes like some of the stuff that I do, it's like, there's no real test, right? Like you got to go off and running and you better show some growth. But with the paid side of things, it's almost like it's always a test. And I've been running some Facebook campaigns for a client. And I was like, Hey, you know, here's where the target, here's our sweet spot. Now, you know, we, we had an idea, but now I'm like, Hey, here's our sweet spot type of thing. Yeah, you just throw a bunch of stuff at the wall and some of it sticks. Yeah. The let's move on to why the TV stuff too. Why TV? Why did you guys decide to maybe run some TV ads? Honestly, the conversation was something like, "Hey, why aren't we on TV?" And I was like, "Because I think TV is a pretty bad idea." And they're like, "Oh, well, I think we should try it anyway." And I was like, "All right, <laughs> I guess I'll figure this out." Um, and so, I, yeah, I had my designer mock up a TV version of our ad and I got in contact with a, a direct response agency. Uh, and we got, we got up and running pretty quickly. How, what were the early results? Um, I was actually really impressed with the early results because we were using a attribution window of five minutes after an ad ran to do spot attribution. Um, we used, we looked at the model that the agency provided, but we fact checked it with our own data. So we built a model where we were looking at installs per minute and then map that back to when TV spots ran. Um, and it beat all the, the most optimistic projections I had. Wow. That's amazing. Cause I would have thought the same thing as you be like TV stupid. Like nobody watches that stuff anymore. I thought nobody watched it anymore. And it's a playground for big brands that, you know, have huge dollars that they're not tracking. Um, but you can find pockets of good performance. All right. I have to ask Matt, but are you targeting like daytime? Was it like nighttime? Like what, talk to me a little bit more about the TV ad that ran. How are you targeting? Um, so we're running in a, a, a number of different day parts. Um, we, we do spend a lot at nighttime because the media is really cheap and you know, you, you're not likely to go out and buy a coat during nighttime. So I think that, you know, brands stay away from those spots. Um, but that's kind of the perfect time for someone to reach calm. They can't sleep if they're, you know, up watching TV because you know they're distracted. Right. Maybe a perfect moment to tell them to focus on something productive. 
I almost think like a one o'clock spot or, you know, a 12 o'clock spot would be perfect. Like, Hey man, like you got an early morning, you, you probably have an early morning and then you want to fall asleep. We can help you with that. Work really well. Yeah. And our, our ad doesn't even say that right now. So as I said, we're pretty, we're pretty immature in our strategy there. So it's just like, Hey, instead of, you know, watching a bunch of explosions on TV, just do nothing for 15 seconds. And then download that. That's awesome, yeah. man. And to see that you saw pretty good results or beat your expectations, that's pretty good. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Next, I know I want to talk a little bit more about influencer marketing. How do you guys approach influencer marketing? Um, yeah, we've done a few different forays into influencer marketing. Um, I think that what we've learned over time is that the influencer marketing world is very fragmented and very new at this point. So there's a lot of strategies you can step into it with. Uh, what I recommend for any strong performance marketer is to make sure that whoever you're working with to either an agency or with directly with influencers, that you plan a strong attribution strategy around it and that you get transparency around what you're spending. Um, we, we, we made some mistakes on the get-go where we didn't, we didn't have enough information about, you know, what influencers were posting, what kind of posts at what costs. So it became very difficult to map that cost per acquisition. How are you doing it now? Because sometimes, you know, I find I've run a couple of different ones and they're like more cheap, like a few hundred dollars on Instagram. And I found that it's really, especially on maybe it's just Instagram, but like it's just extremely hard to get people to click through anything because, you know, like you can't really do it. You have to put like link in the bio type of thing and you just hope that people search for it. How are you trying to, attribute all these influencer marketing campaigns so when we were running a lot of instagram feed posts you know we obviously had the same problem um we came up with a hybrid attribution model that used post engagement as well as um, kind of a score on the creative because when you're having people make the, their own creative you know you get very different qualities of it um, and we did have people do the link in the bio so you could kind of see directionally who was effectively getting people to the link but Every post had to be looked at individually. So long story short there, I was like, I'm not a huge fan of Instagram feed posts for that reason. They're difficult to track. Um, but I think there's a lot of value in them if you if you can monitor quality, make sure that you know the, the content of the post is similar to influencer content that works well on platforms that are more trackable, like Instagram stories. Um, and then you just make sure that the, the interactions and, and delivery is there. Are you seeing, well, my next question would have been like, you said you're not a big fan of the Instagram feed. What are you a big fan of? Stories. <laughs> you see better uh, results there? Yeah, I mean, the, it has a swipe up action on it, so you can put a tracking link on it. Um, yeah, that's where most people are going when they, they want real direct attribution. Have you tested between IG stories and Snapchat stories and Snapchat ads or whatever they call it over there? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we've done a lot of testing across the different platforms. Um, Snapchat gets a lot less attention because the reach is so much lower. Uh, but um, I honestly think that of all the companies that have come out with an ad platform out the gate, Snapchat did a pretty good job. Um, you know, <laughs> no offense to the Twitters and LinkedIn's of the world, but man, those platforms are not easy to work with. And Snapchat did, did a good job out the gate. Um, and, you know, we saw some good we do see some good results there, but the scale is limited. So, you know, it, it, we're really focused on Instagram, both Snapchat. Let's get back to the the creative things. So now 
you said you let the influencer kind of create the creative. Do you give them direction? Like, especially on a story, like, are you giving any type of direction or are you kind of just saying like, Hey, here's what's worked in the past, but like you guys go ahead and do whatever you want. Um, fortunately I have had zero of those conversations. Um, other people have managed the actual creator uh, relationships here and we've mostly worked through agencies. So that they were really the, the leaders on the creative. Um, that being said, I was able to learn at scale sort of what strategies were working. And so, you know, the people that are having those negotiations are giving them parameters and also sometimes giving them assets that will help them make creative that, that will be responsive. I see. The I know a friend of mine, he has a Snapchat influencer marketing campaign. The He runs an agency, or I guess it's on an agency of a platform, whatever they want to call it. But essentially, he was sharing me that, like kind of what we talked about earlier, these like sort of scrappy ads that aren't like completely polished, have a lot of emojis in them and gifts and stuff like that. They're actually performing pretty well on Snapchat. And I don't know if you guys are just seeing the same thing. Yeah, I mean, if you want to be native on Snapchat, one of the best ways to make a video is just to use Snapchat's video editing tools. And so we do see that work well. Is there, when you said influencer marketing agency for some of the bigger guys that are listening, is there one that you would recommend? Um, I'm not going to throw names at this point, actually. (laughs) (laughs) The answer is yes, but I'm not going to tell you who. All right. Maybe yeah, with a beer in the hand and when we meet up. All right, Matt. So let's move on to this. You know, I get this. Listeners always ask me, hey, give me a campaign that did not work. Now I have a hate love hate relationship with this question, but you actually, when I asked you before we hit record, you actually came up with some really good answers. So I was like, all right, so let me ask Matt. Like, give me give me a campaign that you thought might work but didn't work. Yeah, I mean, honestly, most campaigns. Um, <laughs> But uh, I would say that, you know, bidding on big ticket TV inventory, uh, prime time spots and in, in certain channels, you know, the, the media costs are just so high because of the, the brands that are playing there that you can't really get a win. Uh, that's one example. And then I think um, maybe more interesting in the app world is that for us, ad networks aren't as big of a piece of the mix because, you know, you're mostly buying ads and games and calm is not a game and our audience generally is not a gaming audience. Um, so there's a, there's a context fit there that, that was surprisingly strong or a context mismatch rather that was surprisingly strong there. I know you used to work for app Annie and Smule did ad networks ever come to play when you were at Smule? Yeah, absolutely. I think almost every consumer app, you know, has to have some, uh, ad network strategy and we do do a little bit here but it's just not as big a piece okay because you know I, i'm glad you bring this up because i started working with people and they're like hey what about ad networks i'm like but you're not a game like what so i was just like why would you even ask this i thought i was missing something <laughs> i was like am i missing something here like why would you even approach this yeah i mean i do think there's probably some non-game apps that do well on games but you know i, I can't tell you who they are yeah yeah. The the next thing I want to move on to is Apple gets you, give you guys, okay, look, I'm jealous, but they give you a ton of love. Your editor's choice. I see the screenshots. I always point to you guys as like, here are great, beautiful screenshots that lead with social proof. And I see what you guys are doing as you move towards like sleep stories and stuff. How do you approach like organic growth or do you think about it at all when you're getting so much love from Apple? Uh, yeah, we think about it quite a bit, actually. Um, it's funny because we don't have a whole lot of viral loops built into the app. It's not it's not gamified in that way, but we also we know that you know, the main way that people discover Calm is through friends sharing it with them. Um, I think it's just you know 
it's it's the strength of the product. It it has very little to do with my job, um, and really comes down to you know when you open Calm, it's a beautiful experience, and you know everyone knows someone that can use it. Are you guys? So when you said you do think about it, when you approach organic growth, some of the bigger players that I've worked with, they don't necessarily think of it from a keyword perspective, but more like a conversion rate perspective because you're driving so much paid acquisition dollars that, hey, any change to the screenshot that helps you know, like convert more product page views to downloads is going to be key. That's what they're more focused on. Oh, sure. I mean, for App Store optimization, I did a lot of testing there. And one thing that I think thought was really interesting that I don't know that everyone comes away with it, uh, comes away, one learning not everyone comes away with, is that the creative you use to send to your app store test matters a lot. Um, if you run the exact same screenshot test, the exact same description test with different messaging or different type of ad driving to it, uh, you're going to get different results. So... Um, for, for me, it was very difficult to find clear winners uh, that worked across all of our ad strategies. Um, and for that reason, we've actually been pretty slow, I think, to, to iterate on what we have on the, the App Store page. I've heard the same thing. And I've heard even the in-app experience, if it doesn't match up with the creative, will dramatically decrease onboarding, like signups too. Yeah, that's a fact for sure. You can get very cheap installs that, that is, you know, People have a completely wrong expectation of the app and they don't stick around. So what comes first then? Let's say, you know, you've got the screenshots. You guys love the screenshots. I love the screenshots. Then does the the screenshots determine or, yeah, I guess, are they the ones that determine what kind of creatives you end up using then? I would say that just everything is aligned with, uh, as far as screenshots and, you know, end cards on creative, there's an alignment that was determined by some brand testing. And, and that's, that's really where it all comes together. I see. I like that, man. Okay, cool. You want to talk about anything else about that? I might have missed. I mean, nothing specifically. I don't <laughs> want to talk too much. Well, <laughs> well, let's, let's, let's talk about this retention now for subscription. Like obviously retention is highly, highly important. Are there different like features or things that you're thinking about to make sure that people stay within the app? Are there things like, Hey, I know the drop off is seven days. we got to make sure we hit them hard on the first three days. What are you guys doing in terms of retention? Yeah. I mean, the biggest thing we can do from retention is actually that creative piece we were talking about the creative and targeting where we set a very, you know, clear expectation of what the value of the app is. And so, you know, rather than optimizing toward cheap installs, we, we optimize toward, you know, people that are genuinely looking for what the op app has to offer. Um, and then after that, it's actually, it's other people's job to make sure that the, the conversion funnels and the in-app pushes are, are consistent and strong. Um, fortunately, I don't have to worry about that. All right, Matt. Well, let me end with this. I do want to mention this offer that the guys at Fanbytes is running. So I'm going to end it before we hit the big finish. I want to thank my sponsor, fanbytes.com. And what they've done is they have an influencer network marketing influencer, influencer, let me rephrase, a Snapchat influencer network where they work with apps and they work with these influencers and they come up with the right creative for you. And they've got an amazing offer. So I've sent a couple of clients over to them and they've done some tremendous results for these clients. And here's the offer. Look, if you want to check out Snapchat. And if you're looking to target these sort of younger people like Matt, then Snapchat is the place to be. And if you want to work with them, they're going to offer you 
half off your first campaign. So what usually is a $5,000 campaign, they're going to give it to you for just $2,500, which includes them creating the right creative for you. And they know if you check out the website, they know what kind of creative works for you. So to get this exclusive offer, all you got to do is go to appmasters.com slash fanbytes, appmasters.com slash fanbytes. Matt, this has been absolutely amazing, but let's go to the big finish. Besides Calm, give us one other app we should definitely check out. Um, I'm a big fan of script these days. Uh, if you like to read or if you don't have time to read, they have an amazing audiobook selection. And so I would say that is the second most valuable subscription app on my phone. Dude, I completely agree. I'm in- <laughs> I love that app. <laughs> What's a lesson that took you the longest to learn? Oh, I would say maybe that simple is better. Um, I, I was, I've spent a lot of my career trying to represent how valuable I was by showing how complex the things I was doing were. Um, but anywhere you can like, minimize complexity and get something done the same, with the same quality, that's a win. Um, avoid trying to confuse people. Just always be clear and, and short. Yeah, I always say the clarity over creative. Right. Anytime somebody tries to explain something, just be clear about it rather than trying to be all creative about it. It goes with the ads too. Yeah, absolutely. So the website, if you want to check them out on the web, because they've got a web presence too, right, Matt? Like there's a web sort of app. So if you wanted to meditate, you can do it on, on the web too? Yeah, but download the mobile app. Okay. All right. Good. All right. Well, the mobile app. experience right now. <laughs> okay. Well, maybe in the future you can do that. But if you want to check it out, it is calm.com calm.com and then the mobile app just search for calm in the app space you're going to find it it's beautiful it's that blue beautiful icon like i said i love the app you guys done a tremendous job and i was super excited that matt said yes to come on matt you want to send anywhere else you want to send the user the listeners anywhere else um i I think everyone can benefit from a little calm in their lives (laughs) i love it and if they want to connect with you personally you want to send them to your twitter linkedin uh, I'm not on Twitter. I actually hide from most social media, but I am on LinkedIn. So you'll find me if you search for Matthew or YouTube. All right. Awesome. Well, Matt, thank you so much for coming on and doing this. Yeah, my pleasure, Steve. It's great. Chat, great chatting. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you at the next chat. Thanks for listening to the App Masters podcast. For show notes and amazing app marketing content, check out appmasters.co.